Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. While Asian stocks entered a bull market in January, the benchmark index for the region has since fallen more than 5% from its peak. The region's rally, supported by China's reopening, seems to have hit a wall, but some experts say MSCI's broadest index of Asia Pacific shares outside Japan has further room to run. Well, joining us on the phone today to tell us more is Calvin Tay, who is the regional chief investment officer at UBS. Calvin, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me today. Okay, so Asian stocks, they entered a bull market to start off this new year. But, you know, there's been a reversal in February. What has dragged the Asian market down in the month of February? Well, a couple of things have actually happened. Firstly, the uh, specter of a um, much higher interest rate regime in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That has actually sent um, uh, nervousness across the markets because if you have high interest rates, then obviously that's not going to be positive right. for the equity market, not at this point in time. So I think that's one factor that's actually affected sentiment on the market. Mm-hmm. The second factor is that the dollar has actually strengthened significantly. Mm-hmm. So now we're looking at a, uh, uh, a strength of the dollar around across the board against almost all Asian currencies. Mm-hmm. And that in turn has basically resulted in um, profit-taking across uh, the board where Asia is concerned. Uh, on a longer-term basis, the uh, the dollar index and Asian equities tend to have a very high, strong inverse correlation. Um, therefore, whenever the dollar strengthens, Asian equities tend to actually do uh, worse off. Oh, okay, okay. So would you say Asia's bull market is now over or is there still room for stocks to rally further? Yeah, I, I don't think it's over. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that on a short-term basis, there's some profit-taking, some restructuring, rebalancing. Uh, of the portfolios because um, uh, uh, prior to that, Asia actually had a pretty good run. So I think mm-hmm. with such a strong start to the year, uh, there's always um, some some sense of a technical sell-off in that sense. But I don't think that's going to last. In fact, I think that once the interest rates settle, um, Asian stocks should actually do better because clearly where fundamentals are concerned, Asia is actually in a much better position. And also, we are more leveraged towards the recovery in mm-hmm. China uh, okay. with, with, with regards to the reopening and the uh, National, Party Con- National People's Congress that's going on. Uh, this weekend. So what can we expect from that meeting this weekend? Uh, we do expect more details with regards to the uh, how they want to actually stimulate the domestic consumption, yeah. uh, how they want to go back to the principle of the dual circulation economy that they first uh, unveiled back in uh, October 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, those details will be key. And okay. on top of that, we are also waiting for more details on um, on the recovery or the stabilization of the uh, of the uh, property market as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we're getting some sense of a uh, recovery coming in because yesterday the uh, PMI numbers for China were much better than expected. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So are there any you know, indicators that suggest that there is still room for growth for Asian stocks? Yeah, I think on the valuations front, uh, Asia is actually really, really cheap. I mean, if you look at uh, the Chinese market, which is the biggest equity market in Asia, um, China is trading at about 11 and a half times 12 months forward earnings, whereas the uh, long-term historical average mm-hmm. is closer to about 12 and a half to 12.8 times. So China is actually undervalued. And on top of that, you have earnings growth of about uh, 15% this year, whereas uh, the rest of Asia is actually at, uh, not too bad, at about 6% as mm-hmm. well, after coming in from a very strong last year. Uh, this contests very favorably to the US. I mean, if you look at the S&P 500, mm-hmm. that's, uh, um, that's trading at about, um, about uh, 18 times earnings right now, 
Uh, and the long-term historical average over a 20-year period is about 15 right. times. And furthermore, we do expect um, earnings uh, revision, negative earnings growth of about 4% this year in the U.S. So it's mm-hmm. minus 4% and overvalued compared to Asia, plus 6% undervalued and compared to 15% plus in China mm-hmm. and uh, deeply undervalued as well. So what would you say is the current sentiment of investors towards the Asian stock market? I think they're just cautious. Um, mm-hmm. You really need the actually uh, uh, stabilize first, right? Mm-hmm. Because if the interest rates keep rising, then obviously your bond yields will keep rising. Mm-hmm. If the bond yields keep rising, which means that your bond prices are falling, then if you have a balanced portfolio of, let's say, 60% and 40% equities, uh, 60% in equities and 40% in bonds, if the bond prices fall, you're automatically and mechanically even more overweight in equities. And that forces you to reduce your equity allocation to bring mm-hmm. it back down to its original 60-40 allocation. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, the interest rates need to peak. And for us, um, how do we know whether interest rates are going to peak? Mm-hmm. When inflation is peaking. Uh, and, you know, in, in our view, we do think that core inflation has actually peaked in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's now moderating, but it's just not falling at the kind of speed that the markets want it to fall. And, uh, you know, I always stress this point to investors that uh, a moderation in core inflation or disinflation, as we technically call it, is a long, noisy process. It is not a straight line process down. So we need to be patient. And I'm pretty sure that a year after the rates have actually, uh, the rate cycle started in the U.S., which means July or August, um, you should start to see a major impact or you should start to see that impact coming in into the economy. Would you say more people, more investors are bearish on North Asian stocks than they are with Southeast Asian markets? Yeah, I think if, if rates go up further, then obviously I think the bearishness will be with the North Asian stocks simply mm-hmm. because uh, where North Asia is concerned, it is more uh, leveraged towards the uh, growth and technology sector, which doesn't do well when rates uh, are rising. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have Taiwan, which is about, um, you know, the Taiwanese market is about 55% leveraged towards the tech sector, and most of it is pretty much leveraged towards Apple as well. Mm-hmm. Then you have Korea, the Korean market, where, you know, about a third of the market is pretty much uh, Samsung and its subsidiaries. Right. So, you know, countries like that, markets like that will certainly be affected by the uh, rising rates uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Southeast Asian markets are more uh, diversified to a certain extent because you have um, domestic economies, you have basically um, commodities exposure, mm-hmm. um, and you have basically value exposure in Singapore mm-hmm. as well. So that tends to actually do better in a rising rate environment. Okay, okay. And you earlier mentioned about how the U.S. dollar or the strength of the U.S. dollar is also affecting regional markets. If the U.S. dollar continues to gain strength, what would that happen to Asian markets? Well, I think if the dollar continues to gain strength, the Asian markets will continue to actually underperform. Mm-hmm. Largely because a lot of the companies in uh, Asia uh, reissue debt in, in dollar. Mm-hmm. And so if interest rates, well, if interest rates and the U.S. dollar actually rises, then obviously our debt obligations increases, and that mm-hmm. in turn basically affects our earnings. And there is a possibility of our earnings uh, growth being affected mm-hmm. uh, as a result of that. So that is, has always been the uh, traditional relationship in that sense. Uh, and it's probably not going to end anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've always noticed that the inverse correlation can be as high as about 0.86 times between mm-hmm. the dollar index and the um, Asian equities. Mm-hmm. Could we see a repeat of 2022 then? I don't think so because 2022, we saw rates going from zero yeah. to 4.5 to 4.75% uh, in a matter of like, say, six months, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this time around, the increases in rates will be a lot more moderate. We are also near the peak. 
Um, in fact, we do think that rates will probably peak out at about between 5 to 5.25%. And, you know, even if you push it, perhaps 5.5%. Mm. So we're not, we're not that far from the peak. Whereas mm. last year, we were basically at zero rising mm. very, very quickly. We had four rounds of um, 75 basis points hikes. So I think the situation this year is actually quite different. So mm. I would advise investors not to panic. Um, remain focused. Um, fixed income is where you want to be in. You want to lock in the high, uh, the uh, very attractive yields at this point in time. Uh, and, you know, don't, don't panic unnecessarily because mm-hmm. it has to come to an end at some point. Okay, okay. And so what then is your outlook on Asian markets? Which specific Asian markets are likely to outperform or underperform? Well, we like China because we think that the... Uh, the uh, government stimulus and the reopening of the economy mm-hmm. will certainly be very positive for the uh, stock market there. Um, and we know that where the Chinese are concerned, they have about um, $8 trillion in Chinese yuan to spend. Mm-hmm. And that's accumulated from just one year in 2022. Mm-hmm. And overall, there's uh, $18 trillion yuan sitting in the system right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you assume that they spend well, $1 to $1.5 trillion, which is a very conservative estimate, um, that will be enough to actually push the valuations of a lot of the domestically listed uh, consumer stocks uh, in China, where the Asia has a concern. So we do like China for that for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the other regional economies that will actually benefit from the reopening of China would be the tourist-oriented uh, economies. Uh, countries like uh, Philippines and Thailand will be uh, key beneficiaries, mm-hmm. uh, even you know, if, if you want to include Vietnam as well, because each of these countries have in excess of 20% of their uh, economies uh, being reliant on tourism. And of course, where tourism is concerned, the Chinese tourist is basically about uh, 20 to 23% of each of these economies as well. Mm-hmm. And not only are the Chinese tourists the biggest in numbers, they are also by far the biggest spenders. Mm-hmm. So the outbound tourism from China is actually pretty important for these economies. And mm-hmm. we do think that uh, we haven't seen anything yet because, okay. um, you know, airline capacity, um, you know, uh, visa restrictions, all that will come to a pass uh, by the end of this year. But right. I think that uh, in the third quarter of this year, you're prob- you will probably see a very strong pickup of Chinese tourism across the region. This should in turn be actually positive for Asia X Japan. Mm-hmm. And earlier you gave us an advice not to panic at the moment. But do you have any advice for investors looking to invest in the current markets in the region? Yeah, I think where the where the Asian equity markets are concerned, it's actually deeply undervalued um, and it's cheap, right? So, you know, you don't want to be 0% exposure in Asian equities mm-hmm. right now. I would think that if you have $100 to put into equities, Asia should be roughly about 30 35% of your mm-hmm. overall exposure um, uh, where your global equity exposure is concerned. Uh, and on top of that, I would advise our, our listeners out there to actually uh, be invested in the uh, in the fixed income market as well, because this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had the worst fixed income markets in, in over 100 years. In the first six weeks of this year, we had the best returns in the fixed income market for you know, for a generation or so. So, you know, this sort of uh, weakness that we are seeing right now mm-hmm. is, you know, it's natural, right? People take profit, right. investors take profit, they rotate in and out. Uh, but on a medium to longer term basis, the risk reward from investing in, uh, in the fixed income market is really very, very attractive. And mm-hmm. I can't stress that enough. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that advice and all your time and your insights today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We've been with Calvin Tay, Regional Chief Investment Officer at UBS. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.